0: You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and you are listening to what is going to be a very fun episode on folk magic. And I actually have a guest here with me today who you have heard from before on a completely different topic. Uh bones in particular, but bones are related to folk magic, definitely. So um, I am once again going to
1: let her introduce herself and tell you all the places that you can find her online. Hi, um, so my name is Heather Lynn, and I'm known as the Wildwooden Witch on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, but I'm mostly involved in YouTube. I'm an aesthetic style vlogger um topics related to my personal practice I am a folk herbalist I would say that's kind of like the roots of what why I'm I'm here for this particular (laughs) topic um I'm definitely in home like an in-home herbalist so I make a lot of like herbal medicine for um family and friends and I'm also a green witch a forest witch I have some hedge abilities um And a crafter for the fairy realm. So I don't know. I put together like a little bio. I was so excited to share that. So (laughs)
0: whole wide variety, which reminds me, this is the second time that you are going to be hearing from her, but you are also going to be back for, to talk more about fairies in the springtime, you know, more fairies. so, So
1: I'm so excited to talk about that because Yeah, it's like my heart, fairies. So, um, oh, I also wanted to share something else, and that is that I have a YouTube collab with one of your latest guests, the Stitching Witch, you know, Becca. Oh, yes, that's coming out. Yeah, we're actually doing a collab on Bone Magic,
0: which is so cool. I love that this community is so connected. And you guys have both appeared here and now you are coming out with your own Bones collab and I'm very excited for it.
1: It's gonna be great. It's it's over there now. I think we're all in timing wise um, available. And um, yeah, so come, in, come and see that also and subscribe and comment and all of that fun stuff so we can all connect. I love our little witch community. Me too, <laughs> so much fun. So
0: what do we are talking about today is the idea of folk magic, which we were just talking about this before I hit record, that it is a huge topic and there are many different varieties of folk magic and many different ways to practice. So we are just going to be having a general conversation today to sort of answer the most common questions of, you know, what even is folk magic? That's like the first one that I get all the time. But then we're just gonna talk a little bit about what is it, where it comes from, how it sort of like all comes together and specifically talking about what we each do in our own practice that's considered, you know, folk magic. So I I, know that you took a bunch of notes, like you really have prepared. for this
1: episode. <laughs> I, I want to just also throw in like stick to the end because we're also going to talk about like how to begin a folk magic practice or how to incorporate or start slowly. Um, and I definitely want to end with that. So that'll be really cool.
0: Oh, yes, definitely.
1: So the I guess the first or like a good
0: place to start is the question I get most often is cuz i i have not had a episode on folk magic yet before but i have mentioned it in other podcasts so the number one question i get is what are you talking about what is folk magic
1: yeah and i think that that's always a hard thing to answer like even in an hour but we're going to try and <laughs> i think <laughs> i think that um so i think that folk magic in general if we want to get into like the bare bones of it is it's generally like, it's of a practical nature. So you think of folk magic, you think of addressing the common ills of the community, you think of healing the sick, bringing luck or love, driving away evil forces, finding lost items. These are all kind of common practices of of just the common folk. Um, and I think, you know, there's, when people think of like folk magic, specifically like American folk magic, which I think I'm I'm mostly, I'm American. So that's gonna come up for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, you know, you think of like, you know, you'll think of hoodoo or you'll think of powwow, which is like an American branch of folk magic that incorporates native American origins, um, as well as like, you'll think of like the Pennsylvania Dutch, um, you'll think of like um just you know southern style folk magic which is called appalachian magic um i'm actually in new york and a lot of people are always like wait how are you like involved in appalachian folk magic like at all because you're not from the south but actually new york is right next to pennsylvania which is pretty much on the chart and i think if you look at the charts of like American style folk magic and what Appalachian magic, like where it all comes from, or, you know, the various regions. Um, It does stretch as far as New York. So technically, I live within the borders. (laughs) 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 But I mean, that those are kind of like the big, um, I think what most people, if they're thinking of American, those are the things that come up. But I think also what you know like I think talking about like the roots of all folk magic is probably a good place to start like what is the actual core because there's so many different cultures that have elements or, or have a practice of folk magic um and maybe I should actually like back up a little bit and talk about like folk magic is very old magic And it's being practiced in modern times, but it's like telephone magic. It's magic where like, I think I talked about this in the other podcast where you're like, you know, you have an idea, you have a cultural idea, whether it's a healing spell or a ritual or whatever it is. And it goes through a chain of multiple people through our culture and it changes and it evolves. And for the most part, it doesn't get written down. And then as it goes through the generations, it doesn't even appear as like, it's not written anywhere per se. I mean, modern times, yes, we have writing on it, but a lot of the origin of these like individual spells or ideas or cultural beliefs that stem from magic and incorpor- are incorporated into the culture like are passed down from generation to generation. And they, they're they so embedded in just everyday magic that it's almost like you can't see the difference between. And a lot of people don't even know they're practicing it. So it's, it's so fascinating like as a subject um, and I can just keep going. So <laughs> do you want me to keep going? Yeah. We're not really having a conversation here. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it, it really is super interesting. Um, and it, you touched on a lot of really key points about how unofficial folk yeah. magic is, because that's really the distinction, because there's magic that can be very official. There is ceremonial magic with a K at the end that is very official. It takes years of studying and progressing through different levels. Things are written down. There's certain steps you have to meet. And folk magic, on the other hand, is completely unofficial and it's very cultural. So you really learn it by living in that group and you learn, it's a practice that you learn by doing rather than studying from textbooks. It's
1: not a
0: college course that you could take. You have to be very hands-on with it.
1: I think definitely and I think there is also an element of personal gnosis that is a little bit more like okay to have whereas like with ceremonial magic like that is not really like you're doing exactly what the book says and you're doing the same thing that the book has said for eons you know or for generations and generations whereas like with folk magic it's more trans like it's more transformative and allowed to be transformative and so you also have like the ability for the solitary witch or one who believes in like more intuitive magic to like dabble and like take hold of you know it's more inclusive to other ideology if that I that's my experience of it I'm not saying that you know ceremonial magic isn't inclusive of like the personal spirit and the self but I do think there's more ability to input one's own beliefs if if you will like their own i mean that's what personal gnosis is it's just like your own style and i think that you can put a more individual personal spin and that's why i was attracted to it originally because i'm you know an aquarius so <laughs> there's that i'm a solitary witch so then there's that um and it's just like it's just it calls you you know and that explains why your
0: version of Appalachian magic folklore is going to be different than say West Virginia. It's the Definitely. same region. And you're talking about the same mountain range there, but because of your surroundings, because of you putting your personal spin on things, it's going to look different. That's probably why people are like, wait a minute, how are you practicing this same thing that people in you know, Kentucky are practicing when you're not, when you're that far apart. Um, and that's because it is based on this culture where you are and living it and doing it and putting your own personal spin on it.
1: Yeah. And I think that like the roots of all folk magic, and this is why like, it's hard to like break it down. Right. But when you really think about like, you know, you think of Celtic folk magic, you think of, I mean, there's so many different kinds of folk magic. I said Celtic because I'm very attracted to that kind of folk magic specifically because that's my, you know, my roots, um but it's it's there's so many different cultures that you can like go in so many different directions and it can be really confusing but i would say like when i really sat down and thought about like what is the similarity between all these different kinds of magic i think it's using everyday items for sure that's like a big component of it um you know using a lot of items that are found in nature incorporating like it every single kind of folk magic incorporates some sort of cultural beliefs. And we always think of like that cultural belief, like it has to be like a region. And actually I I wanna challenge that and say like, you know, we create like online community cultures now, you know, so I think that I kind of feel like culture is like a group of people that get together, whether they're in person or not. I mean, that's more of a modern version. But I do think like we're constantly influencing each other. And that's where the origin of like folk magic is. Th- those cultural beliefs build over time and we influence each other. And then our magic is shaped by that. And then we carry that to the next generation. Um, it's, you know, it's so fluid and flexible because of that. Um, but it can also be rooted in family culture. You know, when I think of, uh, like we all have like images of what a folk witch is. And I think for me, like, I think of like the great, great grandmother, you know, like who's practicing in the hearth, you know, like mixing up a spell on the table. Like, I just, I don't know, like it's so rooted in also folklore too. So it's, there are these images that kind of um, come up for me, but I think those are like like those are the core components of folk magic for me that I've noticed. I don't know if you have any others that that you would throw in as like roots of folk magic. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of those, that it's just a more
0: practical application of magic. And we are so connected by the internet and sharing these ideas that it shifts sometimes, but Uh, for me, an important component is the nature and the plant life. So what I associate with, you know, in in my practice is going to be different than somebody who lives in the South or in the UK because you have different plants and wildlife there to connect with. And I think that's also an integral part of folk magic. And I think um, a lot of people sort of come across that when they get into the online environments and the podcast, because I am talking about things that are local to me. And then somebody in the UK is like, I have never even heard of that tree in my life uh, because they don't have that there to work with. So I think a big part of that is also incorporating what's around you on a very basic physical practical level.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's like it, It's like, there's also like elements of tradition though, right? Like sometimes we're practicing something and we're like, oh yeah, that is folk magic. I learned that from who? Oh, that was passed down to me. Like sometimes you can't even like trace where it came from. I find that really fascinating. Um, It really is the people's magic. That really, really, I think is the best definition of it. And anyone I've ever talked like heard talk about folk magic you know that is the cornerstone of like it's the people's magic like it's pretty empowering yeah i agree with that definitely and i think like when you go into the origins too like when you go into the history like you do see like a real defined separation like we talked about a little bit of ceremonial magic and how there is differences between the two and folk magic was like magic magic of the poor really in a lot of like in the origin story of where folk magic comes from and so I think that's why every day items are used and that's why there's like not an emphasis on like oh well you can't use or you can use that plant for the same spell that I'm doing and I can use this plant you know we could be doing the same kind of spell but be using different things from our area and that is actually okay and that's true to folk magic.
0: And that's also the reason that a lot of this is is passed down from a family member to family member um, because it wasn't written down because A, that cost money and B, witches were persecuted. So they couldn't write all of this down. So that is why it's so generational and handed down over time. And like you said, the telephone game, it changes.
1: Yeah, it changes. And there's like an okayness with that change. But I think a lot of people are trying to write it down now. And I'm seeing like a lot of really great books on folk magic coming out. And I don't know if you want to like talk about that at all, because I do have like a short list of, of books that I've really loved. Oh, yeah, and always um, love they're all like modern, you know, and it's so cool that people are attempting to write some of it down. I don't think there's anything wrong with writing it down. It just to remember that like this is a fluid kind of magic. So um, it yeah I think anybody who's reading these books understands that. But um, there's a really cool book called Ozark, Ozark Folk Magic and it's by Brandon Weston. I really enjoyed that book. It's very practical and he also has uh if you look it up on youtube there is some like reviews of the book um and that's specific these are all specific there's only 3 recommendations and it's really just because these are all american styles and that's kind of where i'm from so there's also have you read that one have you looked into that i all? i have not i know what you're talking
0: about i have seen
1: it um but i have not read that one yet but it is on my list to check it's, out it's it's so exciting that like there's a written record like they're like we're trying <laughs> <laughs> like it's being done. Like people are actually trying to keep a record of it. And that's, I think that's really, really, I think it's really special to live at this time. And um, yeah, a lot of times, like if you were into folk magic, you'll like dream about the good old days or the back, you know, like, Oh, I wish I had a grandmother, a great grandmother who would guide me, you know, we don't all have that. So it's really nice to (laughs) have like a resource like this and you know, not even 20 years ago, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't have this resource. So it's, it's really cool to live in this time with this. But there's also another book called Wild Witchcraft. And I'm like a huge fan of this idea of wild magic. So I had to pick that up. And that was really cool. It's very um, practical application of like Appalachian folk magic, because she's a forager. So her name's Rebecca uh, Byer. I hope I'm saying that right. B-E-Y-E-R. And then there's this guy that I think is really cool who started New World Witchery on YouTube and he wrote a book, but specifically I wanted to say, it's not a folk magic book, he's a folklore guy and I don't even know his name and I I, I apologize for that. But if you look up New World Witchery on YouTube, you'll find that he has several uh, uh, videos on just folk magic. And he's a very, um, you know, very like educated, because he comes from like that folklore, you know, professorial kind of background. Um,
0: he has Um, Corey, a- of-
1: Corey Thomas Hutchison. Oh, you found him. Oh, good. I good, do. Good. I yeah. have, I have
0: read that book. I don't own it, but I have read that one um, last oh, year. Good. Was, yeah, that's a good one. Definitely. That's on my list too. <laughs> so. Oh, good, good,
1: good. <laughs> well, I just specifically, like when I was doing research for just chatting with you, I was like, well, I kind of, should know like more about this. So <laughs> I did not that I shouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to like, what else is out there? Because it's important to continue to grow and learn. And I, I really enjoyed his recommendations and there, I have several, um, he just has such good recommendations. So I have like six books from his recommendations that I want to read now. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. link all of these over at
0: WhichWednesdays.com So you can you know, remember what we are talking about. Cause I always love sharing the various
1: resources. Yeah. So those are all my resources that I have on that one. Um, But I I do want to like, I want to ask you a question. So do you have elements of folk magic in your practice?
0: I do. My uh, practice is very folk based um, because I really don't follow anything that's like specifically has rules and even more specifically than that, I don't have any religious connotations to my practice. So I have mentioned this before that I was raised Catholic and went completely the other way on that. So I do not work with any deities. I don't follow any, I don't, they're completely separate things in my life is what I'm trying to say. There is no, um, spirituality well yes spirituality but there's no religion within my practice so there are a lot less rules involved making it way more folk magic based and very practical and my I have a couple of other resources that I'm going to link that um, are two books that are very folk magic based that sort of that are a lot like how I practice, which is a very traditional, it's it's called traditional witchcraft. That's sort of the path. Um, and they're really folk magic based, but American based. I have a video going up. I think when this episode goes live, it will already be up on Patreon um, that I got my ancestry done. Like with the uh, ancestry.com little test where you spit in a tube and send it in to get your DNA. Uh, And I filmed that process for Patreon and then I have the results up over there because I have said on this podcast before that I am adopted and we've always assumed that I am Italian and German, like 50, 50, pretty much. And yeah, that's not what my results say. So surprise if you want to go over. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, Italian and German are, are on there and it is predominantly Italian, Italian, like we thought, but there's another sneaky one that got in there. That's like way more than German that we had no idea. So that's kind of fun. Um, but with that, it has sort of opened up a different world of potential avenues to study because I have done a lot with folk magic and folklore of the Americas, um, but there is then this own separate folklore that comes with Italian witchcraft and Germanic, you know, Anglo-Saxon witchcraft. Um, and the other avenues that are opened up to me now that, you know, maybe I want to look more into my ancestry. Like, I don't think that you have to be tied to whatever your DNA says that you are. There are a lot of open practices to check out and check out the folklore of but it's just interesting that I had some results come back that maybe I'm going to branch out into folklore over from Europe.
1: That's so cool. I'm also adopted, did you know that? I did not, you are? Isn't that cool? We're both is adopted. Very cool. That is kind of rare. It is. <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome. It really is. It's, it's very interesting to be adopted because you, I think, um, have this perspective That is really unique in that like I grew up in a completely different culture than where I'm from. So blood related versus culture related. And it's really interesting how like I seem to have like a very clear picture or an intuitive factor with like what feels blood related and what feels culture related or the way I grew up. And I can really see and feel the differences between those two. Whereas somebody who doesn't, you know, who just grows up in their traditional culture, they don't really get to feel those like blood. Really, I don't know. It's just very. It's different, you know. There's gifts to each situation that we're in, and I do uh, as much as like. I know. I know with. I don't know how you feel with your adoption, but it's it's very commonplace that people sometimes have challenges or difficulties with it and it can be seen like in a negative light but for me I have found like a lot of different positive lights because of it and that is definitely one of it Uh, like one of the positive lights for me is that I I do kind of have that clarity Um, so like I I like drew like I have a little bit of hedge witchery in my background as well like mixed into my um, the way I am and my, the, the way I practice has like an underlying a bit like an underlying little ability there that kind of, um, you know leads me to have these kinds of experiences. Like I drew my mother's apartment before I met her. Or like I just like very much felt like I knew I was Irish before I knew. You know, like it's just very interesting to me like culture versus, you know, blood and like what we feel in our bodies. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have like similar experiences to that, um, or not, but, um, it's interesting. Yeah, it really,
0: it opens up a lot of different worlds to explore and practice in, which is one of my favorite parts of witchcraft and folklore in particular is not being so restricted by the rules or by location or by your culture and, where you were born, when you were born, um, folklore is really open to everyone.
1: Yeah. And I think maybe we have that in common that we both have this sort of like um, very open, pra- like like open way of, of practicing or like a, not wanting things to be so restrictive. Uh, I don't know if you feel like, like, that's what I'm getting the impression that you're saying. Um, cause I am like exactly like that. And I wonder if it's because, you know, of our, of our stories being adopted. Like, I wonder if that has influenced, um, I'm sure it has influenced it to some degree, like the need for, for space. And, um, like, I don't love doc, like, I don't love, I, I just love freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> what I feel too. And that- I think it's like, you know, I want to be free to be myself like, and so I should be, you know, and my practice is very much influenced by that and, um, but there is like elements within like certain, I would say like within a lot of folk magic there is an element a layer of, of, of like religion, not always but There is that there. And so for anyone who is religious who's listening to this podcast, um, there's a lot of folk magic options for that. And, um, you know, like hoodoo like has a lot of like roots um, with like uh, saints and um, I don't personally practice that. That's not my my vibe, but like there are a lot of different practices that do have that. So if you are interested in folk magic and you happen to have like some sort of religious background that you want to honor still, you can actually do that too with folk magic. You don't just have to, um, there's just so many ways to go with folk magic. It's so <laughs> freeing. Like you can do whatever you want to some degree. Like, <laughs> and there's just so many like, oh, so many stories and cultural beliefs and you can like sort of dabble in as long as it's a free practice, dabble away. Um, But maybe we should talk about that, like how to begin a folk magic practice because it can be like kind of overwhelming to be like, well, I'm attracted to this, but like, where do I begin? And do I have to start with culture? Like, do I have to start with I'm German? And so therefore I need to practice German folk magic because I think that there are, Um, a lot of variations for like why you get involved in certain types of folk magic and it's I think very much um, shaped by your personal gnosis or your personal experiences like who you're married to or who your friends are or what kind of witchcraft you're into those things all play a role in like the kind of folk magic that you might want to practice I mean I'm American so it's like everyone will just like lump me in like I'm just American you know like but I mean, to some degree that, that is true, but that doesn't mean that because I live in America, I can't practice a different kind of folk magic. Like I don't have to, I can do whatever calls to me, but, um, I don't know, like, how did you, like, I know how I started, but how did you, how did you start getting involved, like bringing in some folk magic into your practice?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting
1: question idea to look at because
0: we just talked about how nothing is written down so then somebody you know coming new to this is like well how the heck am I supposed to study it and learn it if there's nothing written down and I mean like we said there's there's books being made now but uh, it's really interesting to try to figure out how to you know get started in folklore and folk magic in general. So I would say that I started from a deep need to not be Wiccan. Um, And it's something I've mentioned on this podcast before because when I started practicing, everything had a tinge of Wicca. All of the books that were written and resources that were available in the 90s were just everything. Even if they didn't say that they were Wicca, there's just so many Wiccan ideas. Like everything was melded together. And like I said, I have issues with restrictions and religions. So I did not like the idea of the God and goddess that was not up my alley. I did not want to do any sort of veneration of those aspects during Sabbaths or anything else. Um, it all felt too restricted to me. So I really had to start making my own path and figuring things out for myself, because what I was getting from the books at the time did not match up exactly with what I wanted to be doing. So I think a lot of folk practice starts from that same place of not wanting to do exactly what's written down and what's in front of you and the path that somebody else sets you on. You really want to venture out and find your own path and find what works for you. Uh, So that's how I really started and eventually was able to find more resources with, you know, the prevalence of the internet and then witchcraft growing in popularity. Um, If you've been in the community for a while, you know that witchcraft kind of grows in popularity, goes back down. It has, you know, peaks and valleys uh, throughout its history. So at the times when it is more popular, we are getting more of these different kinds of books, looking at folklore. Um, like Celtic folklore, looking at folklore in the Appalachian area, all those different aspects start finally getting written down. So I, for one, appreciate when witchcraft goes through its peaks. That makes me happy because it just means more information is being shared. But when I first started practicing, I was really just figuring it out for myself until that first peak came around and more books came out.
1: Yeah. I would say I have a very similar story and very similar vibe, actually, because I love those freedom aspects. And I think when I first started, it was really just the realization that I was already practicing it, that I had cultural beliefs that I was carrying from various knowledge that I had that who even knows, like, I can't really trace it. And I started realizing, because there is an element of folk magic that has like superstition in it. Um, You know, there are things that we do. It's like, why do we do these things? And then from there, I started realizing that I just naturally am drawn to this kind of like way of living. And then, you know, it's sort of started seeping into my practice. And I think also because I'm an herbalist, like it's pretty easy because, you know, herbalism has like a lot of roots in folk magic and there is like beliefs and, and things to do with plants that you do when people are sick. And that's all like very much in just herbalism culture in America. So it's like, Oh, I'm already kind of doing this. So, I guess I'll just keep learning about it. Um, I think everyone has a story of how, like how they get here, but maybe the, maybe there's someone listening and this is their story. Like they're listening to this and they're like, this is my moment. And it's like, okay. So, let me give you a couple of bits of information that might you know, we all have our our way that we go through how to begin and let it filter into our practice. So here are my steps. Here are my steps that I kind of like really thought about. Like if I was going to intentionally, instead of it unfolding as it unfolds, which is a perfectly natural and normal way for it to unfold into a practice, um, deciding like I want to do more of this. I think the first thing to do is to decide whether you want to be like how much of this you want to make cultural and how much of this you want to make like your own thing. And I think like really thinking about like, um, do I want to start learning these kinds of beliefs and ideas and start practicing them? And the easiest way to do that is actually to start with the wheel of the year or to start with like holidays that you celebrate, because those are things that are gonna happen every year that you're gonna honor whatever, you know, whether you're religious or you're not religious or whatever you are, (laughs) there are like certain milestones or maybe you're just like, I'm a seasonal person. I, I like honor the seasons as they change that's that's a perfectly like transitional time where you're going to do something maybe you do something like you know whatever you do those are the times I think to start incorporating some folk magic and then I also think like sitting down and thinking about like you went and got your heritage read um some people might just know already like well you know my mom my grandmother's Italian so I'm gonna like I don't know do I feel called to this like do I want to like check out Italian folk magic or maybe you already like have all these influences around you and you have witches in your life already and so you could just ask them. Um, So there's like definitely uh, uh, I think uh, an element of like deciding how much like you wanna let into your practice and then deciding where you wanna, like what cultural aspects you wanna bring in and where you wanna pull from. And then, like you said, there's a lot of research and books that have been written. So there's kind of enough available to kind of dabble um, already. And then I also think thinking about the kind of magic you already practice. Like I'm a green witch, so I'm attracted to more like plant-based, I love forest stuff. So like I'm foresty, <laughs> forest witchy. <laughs> and I, I want to know like more about that. And so like those are the things that I would naturally gravitate toward. And so I want I want books on that or spells on that or rituals on that, that I might start practicing and then see if it fits into my practice and try it out. Um, yeah, I mean, those are like, I think there's like, a couple more things like it's easy to start when you just start with one small thing at a time some of us like don't have time to read eons of books and you know have conversations with people like we have to do things slow and over time and there's nothing wrong with that um, you don't have to buy five million books and research and read and get really you know heady about it you can just start small and you know, start with holidays, or maybe you want to focus on everyday magic, or you want to focus on just weekend magic, or seasonal magic. Um, But I would pick something and kind of like start from there um, and slowly bring in things. And you also want to think of like, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to craft? Do you want to do spell work? Do you want to do home hearth? That's why I think like kind of thinking about the kind of witch you are, like you are a traditional witch. So I don't know like necessarily what, where you veer toward, but like for me, I'm going to veer toward like herbalism, green witchcraft and like home-based stuff. Cause that's kind of my vibe. And I think I would then research or learn some things in those kind of regions, because those are things that I would continually practice no matter what, like I'll give you an example. So like, um, let me give you an example, like an herbal example. So one folk magic thing that I do for, for like for sickness is I always, if anybody is sick in my house or I'm sick, I always cut up an onion and I do this ritualistically with my own personal spin on how I like do the process. Um, and I do like uh, use some number magic with that and I do slices and then I leave that all over my house. Um, because onion is known to draw illness away. And it's also known to pull in negativity too. So there's like a medicinal aspect, but there's also a spiritual aspect. That's like one thing I do. Ooh, Another thing I do that's superstition based, um, which has like no science involved, <laughs> is I pick up my feet every time I go over a railroad. And I've my heard son, of people doing that. I know. I have no idea where I learned this. Again, this is this is culture. This is folk knowledge. That's that's what that is. It's culture. So, I have no idea where I learned it. I've been doing it since I was a child, so I probably learned it from someone as a child. And you know, I it's to bring luck, it's to bring safety to your family and wellness to your year. And like every time you do it, it's like a little bit of magic that you throw out there your little pot <laughs> that's what I was taught
0: I know so it's my fingers and then hit the roof of the car every time I go through a yellow light
1: <gasps>
0: don't know where I learned that but uh, I do it and I have many friends who do that too like if they're even I see them as like passengers in my car riding in the front seat if I go through a yellow light they do that kiss the fingers and hit the top of the car I'm
1: like why do we all do this where did it come from that's it's like that's folk magic to it me is. that's that is such a prime example of what folk magic is. It's a belief. You're using the power of your brain to manifest your, you're pushing your will, right? It's, it's, it's a spell. It's a, I mean, okay. I won't go as far as to say it's a spell or a ritual, but it is, you know, it has elements of that. And you're putting a little bit of energy out there every time. So it's just very interesting, but yeah, it's programming the mind. It's to me, that's, that's what witchcraft is at the core element, so. That to me is what folk magic is. It's just little things that you do every day or you do seasonally or you do at holiday time, little things that are like that you keep alive in your culture and like my kids do all of that. So I have, I don't know if I've ever said, shared that and most people don't think I have children. I have two 19 year old twins, uh, boys and um, I raised them very openly as a witch. And it was really kind of cool. Recently, you actually had uh, a woman on who was so cool. I just listened to it recently and she was talking from a parenting perspective. And I love that you included her because we need to hear from more parents in this like witchcraft community. I think it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, I have gotten a lot of questions about that, about witches who either want to know if it's even okay to practice openly with their kids or in front of their kids. And then from a practical standpoint of how exactly to do that. Um, so I've definitely been trying to incorporate that more since I don't have any children. So I can't speak on that to myself. Yeah. But I love that you were very open with them.
1: Yeah, and I, I'll just be one other witch out there in the world saying, be open and share who you are openly with your child because they, you can't hide it. You think you can hide it, you can't. They, they pick up everything and who you are is why they chose you, so be you, and sometimes it's a little, it could be a little daunting if you have other people in your family who are not okay with it, and then there'd be, then there's the shame factor, I mean, we could have a whole discussion about this, but I, you know, I think that when you teach your children to be yourself, and, like, be true to yourself, I mean, that's a lesson in itself, and, you know, witchcraft is awesome, so, I
0: agree.
1: We need more kids out there who were like, well, my mom's a witch and she's like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but yeah. You look good. <laughs> yeah. And I know you're a doggy mommy. I'm a doggy mommy too. And I don't know if you practice with your dog, but I practice with my dog all the time. And he's a little like, he's three years old and he's like so intuitive. Oh. I have to dabble and spend a little bit more time learning about animals in witchcraft. Um, because I really think that he's so empathic, like he's a dog, (laughs) but he has this, like we have this connection that is just so special. And he just, every time I'm practicing, he wants to be there. He wants to be with me. He wants to be under the table. Um, When I go in the woods hunting for things, he finds me things like he's so cool. His name's Winter. (laughs) Oh,
0: I love that.
1: He's my little folk magic sidekick. oh <laughs> That's <is> so sweet. <laughs>
0: so cute.
1: Oh, yeah. But I don't know. So though, the, the so back to beginning your folk magic practice. That is that. I mean, I don't have anything else. I don't think I wrote anything on the back. Oh, I totally did. Just- <laughs> I
0: see. <laughs> That's why I said. I she really took a lot of notes and really researched.
1: This idea for you. You know, you asked me to be on the (laughs) podcast. I can't come empty handed. I gotta like, sort of. I'm a YouTuber. Like, all I do is write scripts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're so practiced at it now. I Um, love it. I love it so much. It's such a passion of mine. And I just, I love sharing. You know what I think? I think that we're all unique. And that's what's so cool about being a witch to me. It's like every single person I talk to has a different perspective, a different idea and is themselves and that's like what I love about being a witch is that I can be myself I can think what I want to think and everyone else can do that too and then I get to be around all these free thinking awesome people and I get to hear their ideas it's just such an enriching culture in my opinion from what I've experienced and so joining the YouTube community has been so cool because it is like a little culture in itself um, of content creators and people who are passionate about witchcraft and passionate about, you know, writing scripts and, you know, putting beautiful footage to those scripts. And it's just so cool. So I'm, thank you for sharing, letting me share that little moment with you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I love it. And you
0: do make particularly beautiful videos. You just like look into such a pretty area.
1: And I try to like, I think that the world is beautiful and I think that like these little moments that happen if you're living a magical life like you know exactly what I'm talking about it's like to other people it's the dumbest little things but to you it's like presence being a witness to the presence of magic is like such a gift to me that I want to show that on film and share that so that people feel welcome in the witch community to join, to engage, to grow and just live into a practice well lived. So that's like my whole thing. And I love green magic and I love herbalism. So that's, you know, I want to hear more on that. You know, I want more people showing their craft. It's really, it's very personal, you know like to show your craft so intimately and physically. And you just did uh, recently, well, it'll probably be a little bit later than recent as we're speaking, but you did your like, first little, I, the first time I saw you do like an actual, like beautiful video with like all these beautiful things that you were doing. And I can't remember what you were doing exactly, but it was, it was a spell or it was, it was something. I
0: did. What did I put up recently?
1: Here. Oh girl. I love that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I did because I was like, okay, I, was just putting the podcast episodes up on YouTube last year. And then I was like, okay, this year I am actually going to put up a different video on YouTube every Friday, actually showing you know, something else. And it was because so much of witchcraft is visual. And yeah. I have a lot of visual learners who just want to see it in practice and see it in action. And you're right. It's there's so much beauty to share surrounding the practice of witchcraft. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do a few videos where I'm going to try to capture it. But you are, you're the queen. That's really your realm. Oh,
1: thank you. I've, I've really, it's fun. I love editing. You have to love editing, right? If I know, you know what I'm talking about. Cause oh, do. I do don't. I do know what you're it's talking so about. <laughs> it's so much work. It's so much work. I mean, the podcast is so much work too. All of the things you do are so beautiful and it's so much work, but it's, it's a lot of work editing. <laughs> It is,
0: yes. Thankfully, the podcast is a lot easier, but the YouTube videos, yeah. And like, every time I sit down, I don't know if it's up on YouTube yet or not, but I did a tour of my um, bookshelf and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this in one take. Yeah, no, that did not happen.
1: <laughs> but it's, I love that you're doing that more and maybe perhaps in the future, maybe next year, I don't know, sometime we should do something visual. I would love to be on your YouTube channel. I would love you to be on mine. Yes. So maybe we could, We we'll, we'll see, we'll see what we cook up. That sounds great. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk real quickly before we go about personal gnosis. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? I, well, have you heard that before? I have heard, I know what gnosis
0: is I actually just talked about that in the podcast. Um, I don't even know if I'm using the words, right. I think I am, but, but it all depends on what your, your definition is.
1: Yeah. So my definition is your own ideas. Yeah. A lot of people believe, I mean, there are witches and are part of our community that believes that you, you don't really need that, or you don't need a lot of that, or that's not as important, especially newer witches are actually like get somehow the vibe that that's not as like, not as important as like following the spell that somebody else wrote that somebody else did. And then that's, what's going to you know, so I, I like to like always talk about that individualism because it really is such a cornerstone of not only folk magic, but just in general witchcraft. And I think that, um, folk magic specifically, uh, it's very easy to be like, okay, well, I'm going to study this type of folk magic and I'm going to practice these kinds of practices. And that means that I've got to kind of be more dogmatic in my, way of thinking and I think even just like listening to our podcast you can see that like we're not saying that but I think I still want to make sure (laughs) it's said (laughs) that just because there's a lot of history and there's a lot of ideas and there's a lot of heritage if that's the right word for it doesn't mean that you can't have your own personal style that you can't infuse your own ideas that you can't let your intuition shine out and that was why I really wanted to show like, the roots of folk magic, because folk magic is becoming, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like it's becoming a style of practice, and that it's almost, like, becoming its own culture within our community, where, like, you can practice folk magic and, like, have no cultural aspects to it at all, and I think that, actually, I'm one of the people who's, like, go for it, (laughs) but (laughs) there are, like, there are all of these other elements in the history, like the history of, and so therefore I just wanted to say that I think that you should feel empowered to bring your own spin on things because that's what our ancestors did. They learned something from somebody else and then put a twist on it and then passed it, passed it, passed it. Just because it's being written down now doesn't mean we can't continue that tradition of what folk magic is and allow our own ideas to filter in evolve, teach it to our children, teach it to our friends, teach it to our YouTube community, whoever, or our podcast community and kind of just let the magic flow and let our own belief filter in and our own ideas. I'm like a huge fan of that. And sometimes I'm like, you know, there are moments where I'm like, well, I'm not grounded in a specific culture, even though I am an American style folk magic practitioner because I don't live in the South, because I'm out here in New York, there are less cultural aspects to it. And so you can very easily get lost. Um, And so finding that balance between like what you're going to allow in that comes from cultural ties, what you're going to allow in that comes from your own practice, your own sense of self, your own beliefs. Um, I just think it's worth just, I just want to just like give a little moment to it and make sure that uh yeah that that said that there is this combination to consider of like like where your practice is going to evolve to. So and and be okay I guess I want to say be brave. <laughs> <laughs> Let oneself evolve and um start as soon as you're ready. Yes, I think that's a great sentiment to
0: end with and, and send out there because there is, especially in folk magic, there is no right and wrong way of doing something. So you shouldn't be afraid to get started and afraid to, to make mistakes because that is how you are going to learn and grow and adapt your practice to what works for you. So for example, which you would know because you work primarily outdoors and with herbalism, I do not connect with roses in the same way that other people do. Um, they aren't the same. I just, I don't love the smell. So all those associations for rose that has, you know, these really positive loving self-love connotations for other people just don't feel the same for me. But if I'm only doing it out of something I've read in a book or copied from somebody else and just keep going with that, I'm never going to develop and have the strong enough practice that I could if I just, like I did, went ahead and accepted, you know what, I need to find a substitution for roses in spells like this. And what other plans would work for me in this scenario, because I'm just not connecting with rose in that way. And it's okay to, to buck the norm. So if, you're like me and you're not a fan of roses and patchouli, you can find something else that, that works for you in that instance and learn from that and grow. Um, so there is no right and wrong way. You just have to be brave and try it out.
1: Definitely. And, um, I'm just so honored to have been on your podcast again. Thank you so much for inviting me and blessings to your magic and blessings to everyone's magic. And, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being here again. Can't wait to
0: have you back to talk about the Fae. And in the meantime, everyone, be sure to check out the Wild Woodland Witch. I will have everything linked, YouTube, Instagram, all that good stuff to check out her beautiful videos and um, pictures, Instagram reels that you do. um, All of those beautiful things I will have available over at witchwednesdays.com to make it a little easier for you to find all that information. And that is everything that I have for you for this week. And I will see you next week. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at WitchWednesdays.com.